Have you ever been at work and just been like, whatever, you're just not feeling it, and so you phone it in? Have you ever known somebody who did that constantly? What about somebody who just lies about doing their job? The kind of person who says, oh yeah, boss, I did those expense reports, but really they just slapped a bunch of made up numbers into Excel and called it a day. Or even worse, the kind of liar who cooks the books to make themselves look good. And then there's the turd muffin who steals credit. You know that person, right? Takes someone else's ideas, someone else's hard work, puts their own name on it and rushes it to the boss before the person who actually did the work can. If you have an office job or a customer service job, you have probably met these people. We're listing them off in our heads right now. Maybe every once in a while, you've been these people. Don't be ashamed. You can claim it. It's fine. And while screwing over your coworkers is never a good thing to do, in most cases, things like this are not the end of the world. But if your job is scientific research, the kind that people's lives do depend on, then these can quite literally be life and death choices. And if you do that, and you're still committing these workplace faux pas, then you are in bad company in the not-so-hallowed halls of scientific misconduct. Ooh, get out of here. You're not welcome in these halls. Uh-uh. Get out. Hi, I'm Denver, and welcome to Scary Science, an insomnious media production podcast where we examine the darker side of science. I'm here with my co-host, Hannah. Hi, everyone. Denver and I have a combined 15 years of scientific research experience, and with this knowledge, we will discuss disasters, diseases, and today, some dastardly data that has made for some scary science. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about... Scientific, scientific misconduct. misconduct. Ooh, we did not good. say that together. <laughs> <laughs> scientific uh, misconduct, in case we ran over each other. When do you think we should update it to from 15? Like, should we change it every year so that it's like 16, 17? No, I think that's exhausting. We'll just leave it at 15. It's fine. <laughs> we'll just stagnate. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, Denver and I have a combined 15 years of stagnant scientific research experience. That's not We true. have a combined 1,000 years. Denver works very hard. I don't work hard. It's fine. Oh. But at least I don't commit scientific misconduct. Oh, gosh. Let's hope not. Let's hope nobody. Well, I mean, people are doing it as we speak, but. <laughs> Literally right now. <laughs> so what is that? What is scientific misconduct? Well, according to the blog post on Discover PhDs written by is it Kamar Mayash? My, Mayasha? I think it's wow. Mayasha. Sorry, everybody. Scientific misconduct can be described as a deviation from the accepted standards of scientific research, study, and publication ethics. So basically... This means you're doing science that is based around the worst principles it can be, lying, cheating, and stealing. Um, and yeah, Just a um, little fun fact for everybody. When you search for scientific misconduct, guess who the first person that pops up is? The poster child of scientific misconduct is... Mr. Mr. 
yeah. Andrew Wakefield. And if you're interested in learning about Andrew Wakefield, you can go back and listen to our first episode of Scary Science, season one, episode one, where we talked about Andrew Wakefield and his improper conduct with um, causing a really big stink that is still with us today. Um, and it even worked, uh, it showed its ugly head during the, the, the current pandemic, which as far as I know, hasn't stopped. Um, but um, people are resistant to get vaccines because they think they cause autism and they don't. You yeah. heard it here first, folks. They don't cause autism. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they didn't hear it here first. They've probably heard it a lot. It's just some people don't. Listen. Listen. Good. Yeah. So scientific misconduct can take a lot of forms. That definition, while accurate, is a little dry. So we're going to get into the nitty gritty of what everything scientific misconduct looks like. Okay. So one way that you can commit scientific misconduct in this how-to guide. Oh no, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how you get commit scientific misconduct. We are not guaranteeing you'll get away with it, but here's how you do it. You don't give proper credit. So this can be in regards to citations. Like you're saying something and you're not citing the source that you got it from, or you can take the work of your colleagues and not give them credit in the paper or in, you know, the article, whatever it is that you're doing presentation. And this particularly is a big issue in the world of academia where there is a lab hierarchy. Denver's familiar with it. I'm familiar with it. If you've ever worked in a lab, you are familiar with the hierarchy. There's like, Basically, you have the PI who's at the top, PI at the top, postdocs under that, or research scientists too. too. Yeah. Research scientists, postdocs under that, PhDs under that, master's students under that. And then probably I would put maybe undergrads and then like quote unquote hired help, like lab technicians, maybe on the same level there. It depends also on their experience too. That can fluctuate. Yes, true. And then on the actual like qualifications of the lab technician, you know, things like that. Sure. So a lot, a lot of labs work great. I'm not going to say, you know, scientific misconduct runs rampant in academia. Every lab is doing that. No, that's not true. No, but this whole hierarchy does set it up so that it's very easy to do this kind of misconduct where people up top have a lot of free reign to take credit for the work of, you know, the people below them in the hierarchy. Like the PI might take the experiment a PhD student did and put it in the paper and not give credit for the fact that the PhD student did this experiment and they should technically be either cited or listed as a co-author on this paper and they're not you know it, it all depends and then this is also really linked with plagiarism which is kind of like not giving proper credit but basically we all know what plagiarism is it's that stuff they warn you about in high school and in college like don't copy paste word for word and pretend like you came up with it yourself yeah 
but it's not just like plagiarizing somebody else's work. It's, it's also plagiarizing your own work. Yes. I know some people who have done that. And I said, like, they were getting ready to put, like, put this paper in. I was like, oh, this is the same pe- paper I turned in for this other class. I was like, don't do that. They're going to catch you. And guess what? They did. They did. They did. Don't do that. I know it sucks. You already wrote it. So you should be able to use it as you see fit, but no. But Another you could way, cite your, could you cite your, you can cite your former paper. You could cite your former paper, but I still think your new paper has to be a majority new content. Oh yeah. 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 You can't just do the whole paper over. No, 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 <laughs> be no. Nice. No. Though. Would be nice. So you can also just falsify data. And again, we're going to say hello, Mr. Mr. Andrew Wakefield. Hello, good sir. sir. Falsifying data. Get out of here. And that means you just make it up. Do and make them up. You figure out what your results should be to support the conclusions you think will make the biggest scientific splash or what your conclusions you want them to be. And then, gosh, golly, wouldn't you know it? All the experiments gave you just those exact results. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you should How never. That? You should never form a hypothesis with expected results. You should form a hypothesis and find out what the results are. Not all then, hypothesis hypotheses are true. And it's correct. not necessarily like when when talking about falsifying data, it's not like, you know, just making rectangles and putting them in a bar chart and saying, this is the data. I mean, that is falsifying data, but it's also like going through and cherry picking certain numbers to make your, your charts seem more realistic or throwing out other numbers or mm-hmm. adding in different um, images that, or throwing out other images that m- might affect the quantification of the, the target of interest. Like there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of of means of falsifying. You have to do that right next to the microphone. <laughs> yes. So like Denver was saying, this can be done, you know, by cherry picking your data, by fudging your numbers a little bit, you know, changing end values, like increasing the contrast on one section of an image versus the other sections. Or oh, it was, the, oh, we saw that, that protein that shouldn't be there. We saw it. Yeah. We saw it. Definitely. <laughs> Had nothing to do with adjusting the gain. It had nothing to do with adjusting the gain. All the gains were the same in the confocal microscope. I do remember one that had a retraction when we were in grad school that um, this person had just like copy pasted the same image of an electrophoresis gel like five times, just the same (laughs) one. I was like, wow, could you be more obvious? (laughs) So you can do that. Or, you know, if you want, you could just wholesale make it up because if you're going to do the experiments and then ignore what they say anyway, why even bother doing the experiment at all? Yeah. Just save yourself the like time. You yeah. Get, open up that, that, that MS paint and start making just, some data. Just make it up. <laughs> so you can also, do, you know, you can lie about your methods as well. So you can, again, just not even do the experiment at all and then in your method section say oh yes this is what it was and this is how we did but you didn't do that yeah we totally we totally used logs reference to shiro Mm. good old shiro don't like that don't like that one bit 
So you could increase your N values and your N value is just like your sample number. So maybe you did a control of one and an experimental value of one. <laughs> and you're like, eh, I mean, it's really statistically significant, but we're gonna pretend like we did instead of one, we're just gonna add a couple zeros on the end of it and make our groups a thousand instead. Why not? Yeah, that's fair. You know, just change those methods. Say that you used 10 micrograms of protein in a solution um, and instead you actually used a thousand, whatever. Or, you know, not even include the reagents that you're using because. You didn't use them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You didn't use that one important thing that makes the, the solution, the solution. Yeah. We left it out. No big deal. And again, we're just, we're just really pulling inspiration from Andrew Wakefield today. Because another thing that you can do is just present your conclusions in a non-scientific publication without any form of peer review and pretend that this means your findings are still valid. Just, just throw it up on your angel fire site and, you know, get have people say, wow, this is amazing. So because like, listen, geocities.com. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Put it on your Zanga. <laughs> because listen, listen, who are you going to trust when it comes to science? A professor or Jenny McCarthy? Because Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, listen, because and Jim Carrey, because he was there too when they were in Washington, DC. It was Jenny McCarthy and Jim Carrey. She got Jim Carrey in on it too. Sad. Because listen, we, Denver and I, have done uh not like a controlled experiment, but like a, a case study that proves that with an N of one of a professor versus Jenny McCarthy, the professors are murderers. (laughs) so who are you going to trust jenny mccarthy or a murderer which is what professors are if you just extrapolate from your n of one make your n values larger manipulate the statistical significance and then publish it on your angel fire site hello Uh, also if you're curious about the murderer professor you can go back to the episode four and listen about andrew wakefield oh no wait not andrew wakefield (laughs) (laughs) wyndham or Andrew Wakefield, you know, he's got some blood on his hands too. Not yeah. as direct, but he'll be fine. So you have lots of fantastic ways to lie. And then you can also, you know, get your funding for your research from the people who want your research done, who want you to reach a certain conclusion. And if you don't reach that conclusion that they want, you don't get any more money. Yeah. Uh, and that's where funding bias comes in, which will be another episode in the future. But uh, don't ever forget about that. Uh, big pharma, big companies, sugar industrial complex, all those companies that fund research at institutions, universities, give them grants. And again, this comes back to Andrew Wakefield because um, he was designing a new vaccine and it was funded by the company that was making it. And, uh, you know, wow, it's so amazing that his vaccine's better than the one that is or has been around forever. And oh, by the way, that other one, it's also causing autism. So you should probably stop using it and use his new one. Cha-ching. But haha, that backfired because it was like, we're just not going to use any. Yeah. Ever. 
Amazing. So who does this kind of stuff? Well, unfortunately. A long, 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 long list. A long list. Enough scientists, quote unquote scientists, because, you know, if you're not doing real science, are you really a scientist? But enough people have been found engaging in scientific misconduct that, um, you know, that Animaniac song? United States, Canada, Mexico, Panama, Colombia, Venezuela, Peru. I messed up the last part. It's okay. (laughs) That you could probably sing their names to that because there's a lot. There's a lot. And now I think Denver and I are going to do a little, little back and forth on what some of our favorites are. A little volleying. Yes. So I basically just focused on stuff that's a little bit closer to what I'm familiar with in terms of research, like biology, microbiology, things like that. Um, Don't assume that this means that uh, we're the best at it or anything or most prolific. Um, It's just my familiarity because there are there's scientific misconduct everywhere you look in In all the fields. Yeah, everything, even like social sciences plagiarism plagiarism Mm -mm -mm. i found one listed of scientific misconduct in philosophy yeah there were a lot so there's also a list on wikipedia if the listeners are interested you can look it up um and spoiler alert there's a lot from the ohio state university in all the different uh, fields (laughs) pretty exciting good reputation up there huh well i guess all the other researchers make up for it maybe i don't know we'll stop for me to decide but so let's get started here we go buckle your seatbelts it's my first one y'all heard of using turmeric to treat cancer guess what done work but we have that misconception thanks to barat agrawal because he did fraud in 65 of the papers he published on curcumin, which is the compound found in turmeric and its use in cancer treatment. 65, I can't even, how, I feel like that's more work making that much fraud than it would be just to do their research. I wonder if he had like a a turmeric farm or something. He's got stakes in big turmeric. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this episode is a silly episode we're back to silly science hooray. but also scary <laughs> 65 yeah, so, publications you know if you have a, so if you have cancer go to your doctor if you want to have like eat some curry whilst also going through chemo that's perfectly acceptable but like don't try to use turmeric alone i do uh, love because, a turmeric tea though but 65 papers with fraud i don't know do you have a soul at that point like do you not have any kind of conscience that's like maybe i shouldn't be doing this or are you just so deep in it now that you like convinced yourself of the lie like you're just like this has been published for 20 years now so it has to be correct you're going against 20 years of publication you're just, you're Oops. stained yellow up to your elbows from all that turmeric. <laughs> oh my God. And also cancer-free. <laughs> Ooh, at least to your elbows. <laughs> all right. I'm up next. So 
Speaking of OSU, the former chair of cancer research, Ching Shi Chen, um, was investigated by OSU and the Federal Office of Research Integrity after anonymously being reported for falsifying data. So they have the, and this is for the NIA, like if you're getting federal money, there is a hotline. If you ever see any kind of misconduct, if it's mistreatment of animals, if it's mistreatment of uh, researchers and colleagues or students, um, faults of misrepresentation of your data, you can call this 1-800 number and anonymously report um, to them. And that's what happened here. Um, Chen mishandled the images and figures in published papers and uh, the investigation, quote, intentionally falsified data and this is the big thing that he did. <laughs> this is like a wild thing. He did not keep any laboratory notebooks on his research. Like that is like, like the first thing that you learn how to do when you start in a lab, if you've never worked in a lab, before you even start pipetting, before you even start doing a streak plate. I mean, they even do this in introductory lab classes. You have mm-hmm. a lab notebook. You have to generate lab reports in a class. You have to be able to write down your hypothesis, your methods, your data, interpret your results, have a conclusion. Did it fit the hypothesis? Was it the alternative hypothesis? What does it mean? You have to write it down. And uh, what's a lab notebook? Chen didn't know, didn't didn't care either. Um, And this is a huge violation of federal research policies so also just clarity it doesn't have to be a physical like paper glue notebook you can have lab notebook apps on your computer you can keep them digital you just have to keep a record somewhere because like fun fact if you don't keep a record and they come knocking and audit you like the irs (laughs) it probably means you didn't actually do what you said you did so oopsie doopsie as of 2021, though, um, Chen has had 10 research publications retracted. Two other papers of his have received um, an expression of concern, and then five other papers have been corrected. So they, they've been corrected, so they're still out there, but I'm sure they have a warning label on them. It's like we're keeping an eye on these. Mm-hmm. Okay. Next one is Elias Al-Sabti. So Elias did research on cancer and, you know, published several papers with co-authors. And um, fascinating thing, these co-authors didn't exist. So this isn't even like a ghost author. This is just like yes. a made-up author. <laughs> this is just a made-up author. Yeah, this is, this is not a, no. So Elias was giving credit, like, oh, yes, this person did these experiments and gave me these results, which is impressive because that person is not real, which probably means that experiment also is not real. To explain the difference. So a ghost author is somebody that's just added on to the the manuscript that didn't really contribute anything. They're like, like a colleague or like you owe them and instead of buying them a beer, you're like, I'll put you on this paper. Um, 
not the case here. These people just don't exist. <laughs> just don't exist. Just, I have heard about one that this doesn't count as scientific misconduct. Um, but this person wrote a paper and he was supposed to be the, the sole author on it. All of his research was fine, but he wrote it in the plural. Like we conducted this research and then mm-hmm. he realized he was like, oh, it's not a we. Because you get accustomed to writing it like you as a lab did right. it all together, but it was just him. But instead of um, you going find back and, and replace <laughs> and editing, yeah, he just listed his cat as the other author, so he didn't have to. Oh, that's cute. Change. It's very cute. So you know, you have a cat cited on all this work, but the cat existed, so it's fine. <laughs> and also, might have contributed. You know. They are beautiful creatures. My dog contributed to this podcast today by scratching. (laughs) Okay, next up, the king of retractions, Yoshitaka Fuji. Um, He's from Japan and um, was an anesthesiologist. He was found to have fabricated data in at least 183 scientific papers. (laughs) it reaches a point it really does it reaches a point where you just have to think wouldn't it just be easier to do your actual job stop stop doing the science and go do something else go do something else he's an anesthesiologist go do you're not required to do research you can just make people go to sleep it's hard work don't get me wrong being an anesthesiologist is very difficult but you don't have to write scientific papers. You can just do that. You don't have to lie. You just have to not kill people. <laughs> Keep them alive while they're asleep. <laughs> so a committee reviewing 212 papers published by him over the span of 20 years found that 126 were entirely fabricated with no scientific work done at all. <laughs> and so then, he's a fiction writer. <laughs> yeah, go write a book, Yoshitaka. <laughs> go write a book that doesn't involve research. Just go write a fictional novel. Yeah, whatever. Just vibe. Three were found to be valid. <laughs> Good job. We got three, three out of 212. Well, I want to know what that percentage is. Hold on one second while I do some math. <laughs> this is live research happening right now. 1.4% of his publications. Wow. <laughs> a little over 1%. I was going to make some valid. Kind of joke about batting averages and things like that, but I don't know about enough about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> He forged the signatures of scientists he listed as co-authors without their knowledge, too. So they're, the, they were real. They were real. But in, instead of like having like when you're an author on a paper, you like especially nowadays with email and everything, they send you an email saying you've been listed as an author on this manuscript. Please make the changes by blah, 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 blah. And if you need mm-hmm. anything else da, 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 for contact, the the corresponding author. So like in today's world, he would have been making up like erroneous email accounts and signing off on people's contributions. It's like here's a, here's a thing. You beautiful editors of scientific papers. 
if someone puts in an email account and it ends in at hotmail.com, that's AOL. not really <laughs> If it's a hotmail email, don't. Just be like, send it back and be like, we need a valid email address. Because somebody's need a dot edu. We need a dot edu, yeah. please. I would be so mad if that happened to me. If someone like forged my signature on something, because that really is because these that's somebody else's reputation papers. you're messing up with yeah now. yeah and that like these could get retracted and somebody's reaching out to their colleague and be like oh man your paper got retracted and they're like yeah sorry about your paper getting retracted and they're like what you talking about what paper <laughs> i haven't published one <laughs> and you're like oh my god i work in a bookstore now what are you talking about who is that no <laughs> So next one, this one, I just pulled the quote fully wholesale straight from Wikipedia because I read this and I could not form my own words to, to like describe how this was. So this is straight from Wikipedia. See David Bridges, a researcher at Purdue University and formerly at Baylor College of Medicine, was found by an NIH investigation panel to have stolen ideas from a rival's manuscript that Bridges had been asked to review and use that information to produce and publish his own research. The investigating panel described Bridges' conduct as an egregious misconduct of science that undermines the entire concept and practice of scientific experimentation and ethical responsibility with NIH later stripping bridges of his funding. Okay, so this is the one that if you ever work in a lab, this is the story that people are talking about when they're like, you have to be confidential with our data. You can't be going around spreading it everywhere because we could get scooped. Scoop is a really big popular <sighs> word. It's also used to pick up cat, but <laughs> oops, I got a blurb. I got I got a bleep that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> the word scoop for me. Because I have worked with people that Scoop. this was their worst. We're going to get scooped. We're going to get scooped. We're breaking the paradigm. We're going to get scooped. Ah! This was their worst fear to get scooped, to have their data stolen by a rival. And like, I get that because this did happen. Obviously this happened. But like, first you have to produce data to steal. So Second, don't a loose lip sink ships. Like, I never talked to anybody about anything. I know. See, that was me not talking. <laughs> <laughs> but like this one. I have I just social think, anxiety, so I never talk to anyone. <laughs> no, I'm an idiot, so I don't talk. <laughs> but this one, I had to include it because I read that and I was like, oh, this is this is uh somebody's this is the root for a lot of people inside. <laughs> yeah, this is the worst nightmare. Um, because it happened one time. <laughs> But gosh, that is mean. Because when oh, you no, peer review, vile. you're supposed to like go through and, you know, make sure it's not falsified. Things like this and say, I yeah. don't think the conclusions that you're drawing are actually reflective of what the data is telling you. You're supposed to do honesty. You're not supposed to go through and be like, oh, this is a good idea. Reject everything. Say, uh-uh, this sucks. And then steal it. Yeah. You're, you're one of two people when you're doing a review. You're a reviewer one in three. Or you're a reviewer too. I was going to say he was probably reviewer too. <laughs> and reviewer one and three are really nice. They will give positive feedback, but also constructive criticism. And They're then helpful. reviewer two is just like, this is not good. 
you need to redo this whole paper. This whole concept needs to be rethought. Where is this like really crazy experiment that needs to be done that needs to be done in two weeks to like accommodate my suggestions? It's like also I noticed that after this period, you've put two spaces um, and that is a violation of section three dash dash four or five. Of the nature (laughs) submission manuscript guidelines. And um. I am going to scoop this. And by scoop it, I mean, I need to get a scoop because this entire paper is cat poo poo. And you deserve to burn in hell. (laughs) Reviewer two is not nice. I want to get t-shirts made that say reviewer two on them. Like black t-shirts. So C. David Bridges was definitely reviewer two and the NIH said, bye-bye. Goodbye. You have the next one too. Bye. Yeah, this one I included... Um, just because I thought it was really wild. So there was a researcher, um, her name was Lorenza Calzado, and she stole people's blood. (laughs) Was that, did you also list the, yes, you did. Okay, yeah. The one after the next one. Yeah, there's a lot of stealing of biological materials. Um, Fun fact, don't do that. Unless you're getting consent, then you're, well, you're not stealing at that point. Then it's not stealing. Yeah, just just don't take people's blood and use it for stuff without their knowledge. Yeah, consent them. It's not that difficult. Get them to sign a little waiver. It's really cute. It's really fun. That's how how 23andMe works, that they can then sell your data to insurance companies and the prison industrial complex because you have signed a waiver that says they can do that. Oh, also, if you're a woman and you do it, all of your children are now up for getting caught for murder if they commit murder. Because they have your mitochondrial DNA. Hooray. Thanks, mom. So read the fine print, first of all, and don't steal people's blood. Um, And they also need to put a waiver in there, too, where if your parents do do that, you should be able to, I don't know, how would you get it back? I didn't authorize, I didn't authorize my mitochondrial DNA to be taken. You're screwed. It doesn't matter. (sighs) It's fine. Let's move on. Okay. Speaking of companies, Surgisphere, <laughs> they claim to have hospital data, which was used to support studies of the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine, which I'm sure everybody's familiar with. We're going to um, get, oh, you mentioned what? it. We're going to get a tag on Spotify now. <laughs> Why? Because anytime you mention COVID in a podcast on Spotify, they'll put a tag on it that has a link that says learn more about COVID-19 okay that's cute Joe Rogan is covered in them I bet he is (laughs) Uh, anyway uh, hydroxychloroquine doesn't treat COVID-19 and papers in the Lancet and the New England Journal of Medicine so two very high profile journals Mm -hmm. were retracted in June 2020 when the data was found to be bad because hydroxychloroquine doesn't treat covid i just want to repeat it so we're clear um and also to follow up there have been uh now huge studies uh from around the world the most recent one published was in brazil showing that ivermectin is also not effective for treating covid19 um there's another study coming out soon from the university of michigan that um, is an American study because most people that I've been sending these studies to that are uh, either anti-vax or like want to, you know, drink sun water and um, I don't know, what else do people do? I mean, take horse 
anti-parasite meds and all that other That's stuff. Ivermectin. They want to, um, they want to, they want to know why the studies aren't done in, in America. Why are they doing these studies in other countries? Why aren't they doing them in America? So it's coming soon. They are. Stay tuned. Um, um, they're, they're not going to work. <laughs> for clarification, we're not saying these cannot be used to treat anything. You True. Know, ivermectin, if you got a parasite. Get it out. COVID's not a parasite. COVID's a virus. It's a virus. So, like, these are valid treatments for other things. Just not this particular thing. And that's okay. Yes. That's why we have vaccines and antivirals. Antivirals. If you... um, (laughs) Monoclonal antibodies. It's like if you go out and you, you know, get the flu... You're not going to put athletes amoxicillin up your nose. Amoxicillin and aspirin cream. <laughs> yeah, like you, you can't just like plug your ears with Vicks Vapo Rub and be healed. It, yeah, I mean, oh, that would really hurt. I don't want to think about that. Uh, but they, you can use them for other things. It's just not going to fix that particular thing. Yeah, you don't put a condom on your head. Uh, have you seen TikTok lately? Because I'm pretty sure them kids are doing like that. Is that oh, like where they me. put it over their nose? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I said it and then I realized I was like, oh, dang it. Uh, it's okay. Um, but that's how people will blow up a condom. They'll put it over their head and put tuck it under their nose and just and they, sometimes people hyperventilate. <laughs> yeah, that's not good. Don't. That's a whole other thing. Don't snort condoms. Don't put condoms on your head. Condoms are... Prophylactics for genitalia, not yeah. for craniums. Thank you <laughs> for All the right. space. Next. So speaking of, um, <laughs> you know, genitalia and theft, Huang Wusuk, who formerly worked at Seoul National University, was found by the university to have deliberately fabricated data, bad, falsifying, but also had forced members of his research team to donate their eggs for his research. Is it donating if you're forcing somebody to do it? I mean, I don't have a better word for it. He had forced them to give. He stole their eggs. He snuck into their rooms at night. (laughs) Because it's not like you can do this without someone noticing. Yeah, it's so not it's like, like robbing a, a chicken. It's not like robbing a nest. It is. No. You got to <laughs> get a in procedure. There. Yeah, um, and you probably need um, somebody like Yoshi Takafuji as an anesthesiologist to do this. Teamwork. Yeah, and then Lorenzo Calzado can steal their blood while you're at it. Um. So we have the the the, the coerced donation of eggs for research um oh i can imagine it's like you're not going to graduate with your phd if you don't give me your eggs probably i do remember a certain there's a lot of sexism in science and academia um in case y'all weren't aware i do remember a certain someone talking about like um not allowing pregnant people in the lab and if you wanted to work in the lab and you were pregnant you would have to have a certain procedure done to then not be pregnant anymore. Well, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do in Texas because that's illegal now. So I guess you're just not going to be a scientist. Sometimes I think hmm, that's not so bad. 
especially after we're looking at all of this. <laughs> I mean, and one thing to put in perspective as we've been going through this list is that these people felt no escape and no way out. So they just lied and lied and lied and lied. Instead of doing the right thing and having integrity, they thought it would be safer and easier to just lie. And who knows what that does to your health and And your mental capacity. They dragged other people down with them. Yeah. Innocent Uh, people. So Richard Lawrence Etienne Barnett, um, he, over the course of 14 years, uh, had accusations of plagiarism. And had 13 papers retracted from a journal that he had guest edited called The New Helicon. And that journal uh, verbatim welcomes studies on all aspects of comparative and world literature, critical theory, and practice. So this isn't really a science thing. It's more of like a literary journal. But it is an academic journal. Yes, yes, yes. Um, And he was the dean for the for-profit university of atlanta and has been accused of copying his own work and others work in his plagiarism cases so again if you write a paper you it's that one paper you can't copy that paper and use it again even if you wrote it sorry you just get to use it one time if you cite a little section of it fine but you can't it's not a flyer you can't make a bunch of copies and throw them at people yeah, you can say like in this previous work we found X, and now we're elaborating on X, and then citation. Yeah. That's fine. One sentence. But also, don't steal other people's work. That's mm, third Don't like it. So, Alfred Steinschneider, who was an MD involved in research developed a theory that SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome, was caused by prolonged sleep apnea. And he published a case study related to this in which it was later found that the children who had passed away had not actually died of SIDS, but had in fact been murdered by their mother, serial killer Juanetta Hoyt. And Steinschneider had allegedly been ignoring the signs of child abuse. That is crazy. (laughs) That's not. That's a whole other level. I don't even know. If an that's episode in of itself. Conflict. That's an episode in of itself. We should. We might make that one of our later true crime episodes. But that's um, that's buck wild. That's buck uh, wild. They're just not getting enough oxygen. It has nothing to do with the murderous mother. Well, I mean, um, them not getting enough oxygen had everything to do with their murderous <laughs> mother, actually. But he was choosing to ignore that. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And then once again, we're just going to give him a brief credit. We're going to give him a citation because we have referenced him extensively in this work. Mr. Wakefield. (laughs) Mr. Wakefield. There we go. So how does this, you know, how do we have repercussions and retractions? Um, Well, all of them all the retractions yeah so we've like been joking around with this that is funny some of it it's just so ridiculous like it's not a case study it's actually a serial killer stealing people's blood stealing people's eggs 212 papers under review 126 of which are totally false just made up just made up (laughs) 
but like we do have to remember that people's lives are ruined and sometimes people's lives are ended because of misconduct like this Mm -hmm. like reputations are ruined they're screwed people can get physically hurt because you know you're doing your experiments wrong you're giving people treatments that you know are not going to be helpful and might actually be harmful to them and then you're going to fudge it Um, and people are misled they you know take turmeric to treat their cancer instead of getting chemo or surgery they don't get vaccinated because you know they're going to give their kids autism they inject bleach into themselves they take parasitic treatments anti-parasitic anti-parasitic thank you instead of just anything that would work and this is also a bigger thing too like i don't think you're getting to this is that because of this retraction and lying and this gives people the right to say we don't trust you yeah that is a big issue And, and it's like with C. David Bridges, the NIH said, this is egregious. This affects all scientists when you do stuff like this. This ruins the interactions we have with people because how are you going to trust someone after you see all of this? And then um, I, because I am a disgusting human being, found that there was a quote in Iron Man 3 that summed it up kind of nicely, which is very ironic considering Gwyneth Paltrow is in Iron Man um, and, you know, goop, if we're going to be talking about pseudoscience someday. <laughs> but there's a quote from a character and she is a scientist who has um, kind of screwed everything over in terms of her ethics be- because of money. And she says, we all begin wide-eyed, pure science, and then the ego steps in, the obsession, and you look up and you're a long way from shore. And I think way that's to go. very accurate. Isn't her name Penny in that no. movie? Um, Maya. Oh, I that's ain't okay. seen it. I ain't seen it. <laughs> that's okay. But I feel like that's accurate. It's like you start off and I don't think anybody starts going into science being like, <laughs> I'm going to lie. Yeah, but I should have been a creative writer, and instead, I'm a researcher. Ooh, <laughs> it's usually like, the other way around. <laughs> but you know, you you get these pressures, and you just start lying and lying and lying, and you get lost, and then you're a turd muffin, and you're hurting people, and you deserve to be kicked in the pants. Agreed. Yep. So how are we affected today? Well, people still manipulate their data, as we said. And yes, you know who you are. Stop doing it. You're polluting science and the reputation of scientists everywhere. Stop it. Stop it. However, something... (laughs) Yes, naughty, naughty scientists. However, something very powerful happened just a few days ago. Um, and that was a example of honesty and not that people don't openly and honestly confess errors and make certain retractions all the time. Um, but on March 30th of 2022, 
Miriam Sander, who is a memory researcher at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development in Berlin. So huge, huge deal, huge deal, wrote on Twitter, the most difficult tweet ever. And retractwatch.com published a really nice article um, on this situation. And this is to quote uh, Miriam's tweet, most difficult tweet ever, but here we go. Manuscript retraction alert. Uh, We discovered a serious error in our pre-processing pipeline that affected our results presented in two recent papers. Age-related declines in neural selectivity manifest differentially during encoding and recognition published in the in the April uh, 2022 issue of the Neurobiology of Aging and tracking age differences in neural distinctiveness across representational levels in the Journal of Neuroscience in April 2021. Um, And why she said she did this was because um, people are always, researchers are always putting on Twitter, like, got a new paper out. There's a new paper coming out, new paper in this journal. Check us out. We're big. We just got this paper. Read it. And so she thought, yeah, yeah. Give us the retweets, please. Get the journal to tweet it. Um, but she thought, okay, well, we do this all the time for our publications. We should probably do it for this retraction too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the interesting thing was that instead of the shame that was already overcast for the situation, it actually uh, ended up being the opposite effect. Um, and it actually came from with very positive feedback from other researchers. And so um the researchers in her field that are our big names were commending her for doing this and having integrity and honesty um, for doing it. And it all stemmed because of her pre-doctorate student. So one thing she was quoted in saying is, let me, me end by saying that for some of us co-authors, this is, of course, a very difficult situation. But the consequences for my pre-doctoral student, Claire, are even more severe since she needs the publications for her dissertation and is now running out of time and financial support. I'm not yet sure how we can handle this, but I am very proud of her integrity and hope that we find a good solution. All the public support will certainly help. So that being said, Claire was the one that initially started this process. And she reached out to the co-author on the, on the paper she's first author on. The co-author is first author on the other paper. And they conversed back and forth and found out that, oh no, the data is incorrect because the coding was incorrect. And talked to the coder, because this is all um, um, computer related. So then they met with Miriam. And so it was a whole process. She had to alert her director. Then she had to contact the editors of the journals. And so it's just a big ordeal. And, you know, the first thing is, is like, okay, we need to do the right thing. So instead of doing it, like the long list of people that we've discussed in this episode that just were like, oh, it'll be fine. We'll make it, we'll make it right in the next paper, or it will, we'll do it right in the next grant or, you know, just kick it down the field. Claire had the integrity to stop it and say something. The brilliant thing was that everybody else was on board to do the right thing, which seems like from reading, reading this, the text of the other researchers that were horrible was really powerful. So hopefully um, retractions can become like a positive outcome to show like our lab has integrity. We goofed up. 
we apologize. This is what work we're going to do to fix it. This is what we need to do to fix it. And um, set an example so that the list of continual um, misconduct doesn't grow any larger than it already is. And people don't end up with 183 retractions. Yeah. And that's so important. Like really big ups to Claire. Um, I wish we had like more information about her. Just well, she's first author so, on those papers. So yeah, people can look her up. So you can like, I don't know, maybe find her on Twitter and be like, thumbs up. You're awesome. That kind of thing. You saved science girl. But there is so much shame associated in science with making a mistake that a lot of times people just try to rush and cover it up because you don't want your colleagues to think you're stupid. Mm. And she instead, when she could have just seen this and then been like, well, we're just going to cover it up. I need to graduate. I need to do this. I need to move on my reputation, my career, my, my money, you know, I'll just brush it under the rug and, you know, pretend like this never happened. But instead she's, she's owned up. She said, Hey, a mistake was made. This is what it is. And instead of lying about it and hiding it, I'm going to take into account the fact that if this stays covered, it can end up hurting people. Yeah. What they said was that they were rerunning some of the data because this is all in computer. This isn't like looking at a Western blot. This is encoding and getting results out. And so they were running some more data to follow up for another manuscript. I guess the one that was coming out in April, 2022 to follow up with something possibly, but the data wasn't making sense. And she was like, what this? And so when they revisited the coding to iron out what the possible kinks were, they realized, oh, it's a big this. Mm -hmm. So it started a whole chain of events and just props to this whole lab and their co-authors and collaborators for standing up with integrity and doing the right thing so that, you know, we're not laughing about them being bad scientists. Yeah. And like, like you said, I hope that this ends up being a turning point for science, like culturally speaking for science and scientists, where instead of being so ashamed and, and everybody, you know, if you mess up pointing and laughing, and saying, ha ha, you're an idiot, that when you step up and say, I made a mistake, this is what it is, here's how I'm going to fix it, that people instead can look at that and say, that's great. Mistakes are how we move science forward. That's how we learn. Yeah. So I hope that this really is, you know, a, a sign of things to come because... I mean, I, we we both have definitely been in that seat where it's been like you find out that you made a mistake in analyzing the data or, you know, putting a, a figure together and you say to, you know, your PI, uh, I messed this up. I'm really sorry. I need the chance to go back and fix this. And the PI is vicious. Yeah. Unsupportive. And it makes you feel like you should have not said anything at all. 
Yeah. That you should have just lied. But it's like a conditioning thing where yeah. your honesty is reprimanded almost instead of encouraged. And this is probably where all this stems from is this, a, it's a, it's a generate generational uh, a, of dishonesty that just mm-hmm. breeds more of the same thing. And so hopefully this is a sign that we're having a shift that things are going to improve. Yeah. And so Put I that think that shift uh, into gear. I think that sums up today's episode pretty well. Denver, you have any closing thoughts? Yes, I do. I did. I thought I did. Um, my closing thought was not only in regards to this positive outcome um, for our, our story here, but like you said, and it's been repeated that hopefully it will be, I mean, like even I would, I would even change my, I would be bold enough to say, I would even change my stance on Andrew Wakefield. If Andrew Wakefield came out and was like, listen, we have got to stop this. I made an error. Everything they said was true. Like I will own up to it. I will say that I manipulated the data. I published those three papers to, you know, sell my vaccine. I just wanted to make a profit so that I could take care of my elderly parents and buy them a castle or something, you know, like if he openly and honestly said the truth that hundreds of manuscripts have shown that vaccines don't cause autism hundreds. I mean, the best thing that has come out of that is that many, many people have gotten publications showing that vaccines do not cause autism. And that's like the silver lining of a very, very dark storm cloud that is still there, like the great red spot. But I would I would commend him for openly and honestly owning his malfeasance. Um, yeah. So that's what that's what I have to say about that. What about you, Hannah? Um, same. I mean, with, with Andrew Wakefield, I would still um, never call him doctor again. Did I call him that? Um, no, you do I didn't. need to bleep it? <laughs> <You know. laughs> I would also probably at this point be like, okay, that's a good start. You're going to have to put more work in now because you have sure. let the lie continues for so long. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you in that Claire and this entire lab deserve so much credit for this and um if you are a young scientist out in the world and you just happen to be listening to this podcast be like that don't end up on an episode of scary science where we are laughing at you because and we will if you do the wrong thing yeah (laughs) we will if because you stole people's blood or um god forbid you murder someone don't murder anyone um be like Claire. If you mess up, say, oh, I messed up. I'm going to tell the world I messed up and I'm going to fix it. Because if you keep doubling down on it, you just end up mired in the muck. Your reputation is garbage and you're going to be screwed so bad. Yeah. Like, so just- I want to I follow up on this and make sure that Claire goes to a good postdoc and that, like, 
she gets her degree and everybody's like, okay, you did the right thing, queen. Like, let's celebrate yeah. you. Let's lift you up, get your degree. We understand you save the university's rep or the Institute's reputation because now the Max Planck Institute will be known like huge Institute again, just to restate it, huge Institute is known for having integrity because of that one scientist and that one lab for standing Unlike up. Ohio State University <laughs> or Atlanta University. Oops. <laughs> so, yeah. No, OSU is on the list a lot. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thanks again for listening to our episode on scientific misconduct. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Scary Science Pod. Or you can drop us a note, question, or comment via email at scariesciencepod at gmail.com. We hope you join us next time that science gets scary. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Scary Science. Scary Science is not approved by the FDA to diagnose or treat any illness. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Insomnius Media Productions. All rights reserved. No reproduction of this podcast is permitted without the consent of Insomnius Media Productions.